Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well today. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. What are we going to talk about today? Well, the president of the National Corn Growers Association, John Linder, will join us. Talk about efforts to make sure agriculture is uh, uh, able to participate in uh, the latest Paycheck Protection Program. We're also going to talk with the Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Ethan Lane. We'll talk about where the beef industry is at right now and how they look forward to working with the new administration and the new Congress on uh, climate issues and where the beef industry stands in that. And then we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett with Ag Market. Net. Always lots to talk about on the markets these days. But let's start it off with Phil Brasher from AgriPulse Communications. Phil, good to talk with you. Tom Vilsack has been confirmed and sworn in as Ag Secretary. What's at the top of his list of things to do? Well, good question. Great to be here, uh, Mike. Uh, a lot's on the top of his list. He's, uh, you know, it's it's been over a month now since uh, President Biden was inaugurated, so um, it's, you know, there's a lot of, a fair amount of time's gone by without uh, the secretary on the job. Uh, I would say uh, priority number one has got to be dealing with the uh, uh, COVID-19 and getting uh, the CFAP uh, um, uh, back up and running and money out. Uh, there were a number of uh, things that Congress approved uh, back in uh, December part of that big omnibus that uh, still haven't been implemented uh, that was left uh, uh, left for uh, the new administration to write the rules for and so forth so that's uh, that stuff is really out you know and you need decisions from from the top and you need you need a secretary in place you also need uh, deputy and undersecretaries but at least that stuff can uh, really get uh, rolling with secretary in there is he physically in the building, or is he working remotely? He's been uh, working. I'm not sure if he's uh, going to be in there today. He has been uh, doing a lot remotely. Uh, the, the swearing-in was actually uh, done online uh, with uh, Kamala Harris uh, uh, ministering the oath. Uh, so it's a, a virtual, virtual swearing-in. Uh, I know there's a lot of reviewing going on of uh, current programs, some things on hold till the reviews are done. Where does all that stand as far as when they're going to really start moving forward with some things? Well, in terms of uh, CFAP, uh, they put they gave us a little bit of new fresh guidance last night, but uh, still use the word weeks. And the weeks ahead, when uh, thing, uh, that the CFAP would be... Uh, um, restarted, so not a lot of not a lot of guidance still under review. Hmm. Yeah, you would have thought that some of that reviewing would have been already taken place, and they might be a little go, ready to go well, a little quicker. What, but it doesn't sound like yeah. It. One of the yeah, one of the things they said is that they've been getting uh, uh, input on uh, where there may be gaps, and so that's one of the things that they they say they're looking at. So. 
will be interesting to see what they do with conservation programs. Uh, Tom Vilsack's a big supporter of them and uh, uh, what they're going to try to do to strengthen them up, attract more participation in those programs. Yeah, the uh, the CRP program, that's one of the things that they've extended. The, and they're looking at actually changing some of the rules um, on, on that. Maybe some changes in incentive payments is more likely uh, because enrollment is so well under the cap. Um, and then we have uh, commodity prices uh, where they are. It's not uh, CRP is going to have uh, inevitably less, uh, less appeal this year at the same time. It's uh, one of the programs they want to use to sequester carbon. So that's a big, uh, yeah, be interesting to watch. Yeah, we'll see where where that goes. What are we expecting out of the ag committees in in Congress? Uh, focus on climate, 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 climate. Uh, starting today, there's a hearing uh, going on this afternoon. The House Agriculture Committee they're gearing up. Uh, it's, uh, Senate Ag Committee as well, Debbie Stabenow, she'll be bringing out a new version of her Growing Climate Solutions Act. That's uh, this bill intended to uh, accelerate the development of um, uh, carbon markets. Uh, that's going to be in uh, coming days. That's going to be reintroduced uh, uh, potentially with some tweaks from what they introduced last year. And then I would expect a hearing up to at some point. Have they set a date for the confirmation vote for Michael Regan for EPA? Uh, they have not. Uh, he is, uh, you know, they're plotting through these. Uh, I believe Jennifer Granholm is the one, uh, Energy Secretary, I believe she's, uh, she's up. It's, uh, you know, they lost a couple of weeks in the Senate with the impeachment trial and then the recess for President's Day. And so now they're plotting uh, through these uh and, you know, some of these are going to be a little difficult, uh, difficult to pass uh, or get, get confirmed. And uh, so we're looking at uh, Regan in the next uh, week or two, but uh, have not uh, seen this, have not been scheduled yet. Interesting that the administration decides and how and congressional Democrats decide to take on or, or kind of float out there an immigration plan. Uh, comprehensive immigration plans tend to bog things down and get bogged down quickly and keep, history tells us, keep other things from getting done. What do you think about that strategy and the chances of moving forward on immigration? Yeah, it's, it's something that the president actually promised during the campaign to introduce a bill on day one. Uh, he, is, he essentially did that. Uh, then they put uh, they put details in legislation that was recently uh, recently introduced to uh, provide a path, uh, actually accelerated path to citizenship for, for farm workers, um, and, and some other provisions. Uh, it is it's a very it's a very difficult issue. It's very important to the uh, the Democratic base. Uh, you know, those maybe they do something on the dreamers issue. The problem is that if one if you do one thing, uh, to address one issue on immigration, lawmakers want to address two or three or four others. So it gets and it gets very complicated. The politics gets uh, uh, difficult as well. Yeah, and usually very little gets done in the process, and then it seems like. Every incoming every incoming administration and new Congress say, okay, we're we we're, we're together. We want to get infrastructure improvements done, and then 
nothing seems to happen there either. <laughs> yeah, that's another issue that uh, the Democrats are promising to jump on. The big question is whether they can uh, whether they can uh, get bipartisan support for what they want to do. Yeah, remains to be seen if anything's different this time around or not. We'll see. Always good to talk with you, Phil. Thanks for the update. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Up next, the president of the National Corn Growers Association, John Linder. He'll talk about efforts to make sure agriculture uh, is kept in and in the loop on the Paycheck Protection Program. And also, we'll look ahead to next week's virtual Commodity Classic. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Happy to have with us the new president of the National Association of Conservation Districts, Michael Crowder. It'll be interesting to see where we go with conservation, with this new push, with climate policies and things like that. What are your goals? What are your priorities for this coming year? One of my big goals is climate change. As far as where the new administration is going with climate change, how is it going to affect farmers, ranchers, foresters? We want to make sure that we represent those producers in the right way with make sure the upcoming farm bill will have those issues that's best in mind for, for producers. So that's where I see climate change coming. There's also a part of that is food security and insecurity. We all know that 2020 was a hard year and some of our products didn't get to market. And if we have food security, you know, it, that's national security. So that's important to all producers is that we have free-flowing markets. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. 
If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The National Corn Growers Association is leading a coalition of 35 ag groups urging Congress to work with the Small Business Administration to ensure that farming partnerships and limited liability corporations are able to participate in the Paycheck Protection Program. Joining us now to talk about it is John Linder, president of the National Corn Growers Association. John, good to talk with you again. Obviously, uh, you're wanting to make sure that agriculture is not left out of the PPP. Oh, that's absolutely right, Mike. The You know, NCGA, we believe that all farmers and ranchers, regardless of their tax structure, should have the same opportunity to participate in the program takes a little bit of work because, uh, you know, the intent of Congress and all this was, was there, but uh, somewhere during the administration part of it, the Small Business Administration really appreciate the work they've done to this point. Kind of pulled back to it was simpler to look at the sole proprietors and Zinger member LLCs, as you mentioned. So we got to get it back into where those uh, folks use tax structure for, uh, you know, economic advantage as well as business uh fairness uh, can participate as well so your your point to Congress is that uh, their interpretation was in error before that prevented many farms and ranches from participating in PPP well, I think Congress got it right I do believe but I think the small business business administration in their interpretation of Congress uh, intent kind of got missed and so there's a bipartisan legislation that's being introduced to clarify that. Uh, it'd be nice if it could be handled administratively, but there, we've got a kind of a short time window here where the program's expiration is on March 31st. So time is of the essence. So if it takes a little legislation to add that clarity of original intent, uh, that's what we're shooting for is to find that path so that uh, farmers of, of all tax statuses can and structures can take advantage of this. So we'll see if that gets addressed. And again, uh, uh, NCGA and a, a coalition of ag groups working to uh, get this resolved. We're talking with John Linder, president of the National Corn Growers Association. John, I know you had to be happy when you heard that EPA finally decided they would agree with the 10th Circuit Court ruling on small refinery exemptions to the RFS. Well, yes, that goes without saying, doesn't it? You know, we, we pushed hard to have that fairness of the... Uh, uh, you know, EPA typically responds well to, uh, like, the 10th Circuit Court's decision and applies it broadly across, the, you know, all regions. But in this case, uh, they, they weren't going to play that way. So it's really nice to see the new administration's uh, efforts with EPA pulling back into their original mode of operating in that regard and, and being supported of the 10th Circuit decision because it is important to agriculture in in our marketplace but as well as at farm gate 
and we'll see what the Supreme Court rules on this case as well. Um, what are your thoughts of for corn growers uh, with this big push on climate policy by the administration and by by Congress? Uh, what role do you see uh, agriculture having, and what's your message to lawmakers about uh, what uh, agriculture is currently doing and can do moving forward? Uh, that's such a great point, Mike, because it, it will be about messaging uh, what we can do forward. You know, we have been doing great things, and it's kind of an untold story. Uh, we do the best we can, but, you know, to get the traction with the messaging on the Hill, we're focusing on a, a campaign for just that in D.C., just to get the message out there and, and put uh, corn production in the proper image for which it has been operating. But but you're right, going forward, you know, to enter the Paris Climate Accord again, we know those folks you know, on foreign soils, they really don't care about what we did yesterday or what we're doing today. For them, it's all about tomorrow. Well, we've got a great story because there's a lot of innovation that will help lead us into a, a space that we can work handsomely in uh, little seems a little awkward to say climate change, but you know we don't we should not as corn farmers have anything to fear, and we can display what we do proudly in our efforts going forward are going to serve us well in, in many conversations. So we're going to position us in the best place we can. So we hear a lot now about carbon sequestration, carbon banking, uh, carbon markets, opportunities for agriculture. But we've heard those things in the past, and they really didn't materialize all that much. Do you think it'll be different this time? It does appear it'll have traction, does it not? There there seems to be a lot of interest. Uh, you know, it, it pretty much looks to me like even venture capitalists are interested in, in capturing uh, the carbon value of the farmer's uh, production of corn because corn is a, is a great sequester of carbon. Uh, what, a, what a great opportunity for the farmer if we do this right to know where we're at in this marketplace a little early. And, uh, you know, we need to do our homework as, as producers, but we're going to do our homework at the National Corn Growers as well to make sure that we can help farmers position that value uh, back to them, but also to steward that value. I'd love for farmers to be able to place some of that value into their value chain. So our products like ethanol and our um, meat proteins that are a, a great market for, for corn and a value-added chain get to use that uh, that sustainable image and that practice of uh, capturing carbon into markets that expand us around the world because I want people to look from uh, foreign countries and say, you know, I want to buy U.S. because it is sustainably produced and look at the evidence they sequester carbon at the very basic of the feedstock of that meat protein we're buying. So we've, we've got uh, some work to do and some recognition to, to give to what we can do. I think that's a key point because there's going to be an education to this. There's going to be some guidance needed to realize these opportunities uh, because they're going to be a lot of, when you're early on into something, uh, it can be a little, you know, tricky and there are those that are going to try to take advantage of certain situations. And so, I mean, there, there are going to be some, uh, some pitfalls along the way that you have to try to avoid. You know, Mike, that is so true because many times there's going to be a contract involved, right? And the opportunity to review that contract should be not taken lightly. A person really needs to know what they're signing up for, the length of commitment and their obligations 
if uh, for some reason there's a fall short clause for the producer themselves in that contract. You know, I really wouldn't want anybody to have to make something up. I'm not suggesting there's malintent in any of it, but we do need to we do need to understand what we're signing in a in a contract. And we're we are uh, we've <laughs> I chose a hundred and some members for our action teams, and we're having conversations about how this fits into uh, a long-term effort for corn farmers to to be able to appreciate that value at the farm gate. And if it's going to be another commodity, we need to look how to maximize that. And so look really closely at those contracts. If you have questions, hey, feel free to reach out to us. And definitely, by all means, uh, legal counsel is, is sometimes the best answer for a contract that you're signing. And so I, I would encourage folks to walk, don't run. And finally, John, next week will be the virtual Commodity Classic. Uh, unfortunate that uh, we're not all going to be together. This event has gotten bigger and bigger over the years, and so many people look forward to it. But you have a lot of things planned virtually for next week. We do. You know, this is a, a great platform. We need to look at it as, as an opportunity because we're offering over 50 learning sessions and also have some uh, executive roundtables and you know those of us in the industry are getting together for our corn congress at, uh, for national corn growers so we'll bring our policy that uh, best addresses issues going forward forward for the farmer but you know if you go to commodityclassic.com and get signed up uh, you know the first five thousand were free thanks to heavy sponsorship but also twenty dollars it's not a bad deal at all and you can register anytime uh, now till up through next week. And the money of the sessions are recorded to be accessible clear to the end of April. So bringing bring it to your living room is, has been the goal, doing it right, best in class. Uh, folks from the international uh, places are looking to uh, maybe join us as well. So that networking could go um, beyond your farm, uh, may even get to go internationally as well yeah the information will still be available it'll just be accessed in a in a different way and we encourage uh, folks to do that john good to talk with you again thanks a lot take care thank you mike john linder president of the national corn growers association so how does the beef industry look at this uh, new opportunity to deal with climate issues and tell its story to Congress and to the administration about how uh, the beef industry fits in and is part of the solution that uh, is being sought here and what are the opportunities for cattle producers. We'll talk about that with Ethan Lane, Vice President Government Affairs for NCBA next. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Despite the early strength in the soy complex, corn was lower to begin Thursday and now is plunging even more. The U.S. is no longer the cheapest world corn offer, with Argentina prices reported to be as much as a 20 to 25 cent discount to U.S. golf corn. Also pressuring corn was the Energy Information Administration's weekly petroleum report on Wednesday, which showed a much more dramatic fall in ethanol production than many in the trade have anticipated. On the Board of Trade March corn trading 15 and a fraction lower at 5.44. The May contract down 14 and a fraction at 5.42 and three quarters. March soybeans down 29 and a half cent at 13.94 and a quarter. The May contract down 29 and a fraction at 13.96 and a half cent. For the wheats, Chicago wheat March down 19 and a half cent at 6.60 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat March down 18 and a half cent at 6.37 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat march down 11 at 6.35 and a half cent. The May contract down 11 and three quarters at 6.45 and three quarters. Strong future buying filled throughout the whole livestock complex Wednesday, but is unlikely that this will continue through today. Cattle may be unable to hold on to gains. Hogs are a different story and packers show no signs of stepping back. May lean hogs trading 40 cents lower at 91.15. The June contract down 35 at 95.55. For feeders, the March contract down 20 at 140.25, the May contract down 20 at 146.60. For live cattle, the April contract down 85 at 121.37, the June contract down 85 at 119.25. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 107 points, the Nasdaq Composite down 135, the S&P 500 down 24. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
We're joined now by Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan, good to have you back with us. You know, uh, I call this show-and-tell time for agriculture. Uh, All the ag groups uh, kind of showing what they're doing to help address climate (laughs) issues and telling members of Congress and telling the new administration, hey, we're part of the solution and this is what we offer and here's how we can move forward. Uh, What is the, uh, the beef industry's message during this time? Well, you, you hit it on the head. You're hired, Mike. I mean, that, that really is what we're <laughs> trying to get across to members of Congress and the new administration right now is, is just what a good job our producers already do in this regard. You know, we spend so much time battling misconceptions in the media nationally and internationally that, you know, when you have a new team in Washington, you want to make sure they have real information to work from and a real understanding of, of not just what we're doing, but what we need moving forward to be uh, uh, an additional uh, part of the solution to, to some of the climate issues that the Biden team has said they want to tackle. Uh, and those conversations have been going well. I, I think that uh, with the feedback we've heard from, from folks over at USDA and, and Secretary Vilsack's team is that they recognize how critical cattle production and grazing is to climate solutions. And, and they want to work with producers to make sure that they're empowering those actions rather than uh, serving as a stumbling block, which is fantastic news. Uh, it's only the beginning of the conversation, but it's a good start. Because we know there are voices out there and groups out there that want to blame the livestock industry for environmental problems and would like to eliminate the livestock industry in the, as they try to convince people it's to save the planet. Yep. And, and, you know, more and more, Mike, we're seeing those kind of hard line put it into animal agriculture folks are really coming more from kind of the vegan community and the anti-animal agriculture community. True environmental groups are, are recognizing in larger and larger numbers the need for, for grazing and the need for active management of these resources. And you can almost start to really sort uh, the, the honest brokers in this conversation from those with a hidden agenda, just based on that simple fact. If you, if you can't acknowledge that you have to have agriculture and you have to have grazing as part of that solution, then you're probably not an honest broker in this conversation. It, uh, so often, the criticism we've heard of the livestock industry and these environmental issues is emissions of greenhouse gases. What, what are the facts on yep. that when it comes to the livestock industry? Well, you know, and, and, and we talked to this point quite a bit. You know, don't take our word for it. Take the EPA's word for it. They're the ones that put out numbers on this. They just updated their numbers in the past few weeks, and they put the, the emissions coming from U.S. beef production at 1.9% of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States. And that's down from their previous estimate of, I believe, 26 so, you know, when you hear these double-digit numbers and these, these kind of scare quotes coming from, from some folks outside the industry, it's important to go back to the facts. Let's look at what EPA says, and what EPA says is that we are a rounding error in the larger conversation and improving every day. And that's because of the work that our producers do to, to put out a responsible product, while also, I might add, increasing quality all the time. So it's, it's a win-win for consumers and, and just helping them understand that message that at the end of the day, we we have one of the lowest environmental footprints in the world uh, and definitely the lowest in the beef production industry across the, across the globe. So, you know, not only are we producing a great product, but we're doing it in the best way possible. We're talking with Ethan Lane with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan, what is the state of the beef industry right now? 
You know, the the beef industry, as as you know and as your listeners know, have taken a lot of hits over the last uh, 18 months plus, and despite all of that, you know, we still are seeing high demand. Uh, we're seeing positive outlooks from folks like Cattlefax that we're, we're going to be heading into perhaps a better price environment over the next couple of years. Uh, that's good news for producers that just have, have really struggled to catch a break, uh, you know, whether it's weather or markets or, or COVID or, or anything else. It has been a difficult couple of years, but we've managed to weather it, and, and, and hopefully we're in a position now to move forward and really grow uh, and, and really focus, as NCBA is, on producer profitability and really paying attention to how we make sure that we're creating as many opportunities as possible for our producers to be profitable and grow their businesses and, and thrive, whether that's reducing regulations or looking for new ways for them to differentiate their product in the marketplace or opening up new markets internationally for their products. We want to make sure we're hitting on all cylinders to provide those opportunities, and we think we're positioned well coming out of some of this COVID mess uh, to do just that. Let's talk about the marketplace because we keep seeing and hearing about the growth of uh, plant-based products, uh, cell-based products, this new protein that's out there, uh, more interest in it, more offerings, more capital being raised and infused into, the, into yep. those companies. How seriously do you take this? Not that they don't have a right to be in the marketplace, but how, how does the cattle industry look at this uh, as, as you move forward? Well, we have to take it seriously, but we also want to make sure we don't overreact to it. It is still a, a, a tiny little percentage of of what consumers are, are actually eating in their homes. And we saw that during COVID, right? When people needed to fill their freezers at the beginning of COVID, they filled them with beef. Uh, they left those plant-based products on the shelves, and, and they went to what they knew and what they trust and what they like. We do need to make sure that those products are labeled properly. We, we feel like we've made great strides in that arena. Uh, you know, with the rise of, of cell-based now behind plant-based, that's going to be a whole new arena that we're going to have to continue to engage in to ensure that consumers know what's being uh, sold to them in those in those instances as well. You know, it's it's interesting to see consumer reaction to some of these things. Groups like Tim Hortons, you know, have pulled some of those plant-based products off of their menus. They just weren't that interesting to consumers after they tried them once. And if you've tried one, you know why. Um, you know, they're just not. A, it's just not a great product when you compare it to to the real thing. So you know, we we want to make sure we're paying attention to it. It's certainly on a, on our list of top priorities. But we also don't want to overreact to it because they are still a a tiny little segment of market share. And, and at the end of the day, I think consumers like our product better. And circling back to what we were talking about earlier with the climate issues, in, in this climate of climate <laughs> awareness that is going on right now, I've always thought <laughs> the biggest concern here is those that try to sell these new products to people with the idea that by eating them or purchasing them, you're somehow helping to save the planet. And, uh, right. you know, I, I don't I don't disagree with their their right to be in the marketplace, but I, I always I'm, I'm concerned about those efforts and and those claims. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a new member of Congress the other day, and she was voicing that she didn't know anything about animal agriculture, but she was very concerned about animals being kept in close confinement. And I said, you know, Congresswoman, I have great news for you. You know, when you buy American beef, you are buying the last free-range protein. No matter where you buy your beef, I mean, this is an animal raised on grass out in the open that, that has the best possible conditions throughout its lifespan. And that's something that every producer, no matter how they produce products in the U.S., can, can say with pride. And 
that's something that we need to make sure we're continuing to get across to consumers is that, you know, no matter what kind of value-added program you're pursuing, no matter what label speaks to you, everything in the U.S. supply chain is, is of the highest quality, and there are different products to meet whatever different, you know, flavor you might, uh, you might find interesting. And then there are a lot of different consumers that look for different things on the package. We want to make sure we're offering all of those, and we want to make sure that we market them in a way that's not denigrating the way your neighbor's producing beef. At the end of the day, rising tide lifts all boats, and we want to make sure we're offering something for everyone. So we kind of try to make sure we're, we're, uh, we're helping everybody, and, and we, don't want, we don't want people you know, saying, buy my product because the, the guy next door does it in a way that's, that's not good for the environment. Everybody in the beef industry is doing it in a way that, that, that's helpful at this point. And finally, Ethan, we've long talked about the challenge for agriculture to tell its story to uh, a population that is uh, less and less uh, on the farm. You know, the, the percentages right. of, you know, have really changed over the years. But now we've seen that really reflected in Congress and even in the ag committees. It's like you're talking to people that don't have a real background or, or you know, to, with the production agriculture. How challenging is that? You know, it, it is a challenge, and you, you sometimes fall into the trap of, of assuming that members of the Ag Committee uh, understand the nuance of Ag policy. And when you have new committee members that don't have that background, you have to kind of go back to square one and really lay that foundation for them. And we're doing a lot of that right now on both sides of the aisle to help some of these new members to the Ag Committees understand the challenges. It's not as simple as what they might have read, you know, in a blog post or the New York Times. There's a lot more nuance to it. There's a lot more detail, and you know that's that's kind of part of our job here is to help them understand uh, that they now have a job in front of them of cutting through that noise and getting down to the real details of how to help producers keep this country fed, and and you know it, that that is a uh, that's a big part of what we do, and and that's kind of where we are right now is having a lot of those introductory conversations. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Uh, it's, it's a changing audience that agriculture has to get its message across to, not just uh, consumers across the country, but the, the power brokers in Washington, D.C. that will be passing uh, legislation policy that will impact uh, our producers across the country. Big challenge. Ethan, thanks a lot. Always good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Yeah, it is a indeed changing world, and uh, we've talked about this for a long time. It's so important for agriculture to get its message out there and get it across. It's a, an even bigger challenge these days and more important than ever. Well, the, the wild ride in the markets continues. We're going to talk about it next with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. What does he see as we head towards spring? Is it a on, all-out battle between commodities uh, to buy acres where does that lead us and uh, what does he see ahead coming off of usda's outlook form uh, last week and their projections on acres and what's the latest out of south america we'll go over all that next stay with us you're listening to aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. 
Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat. Last time we talked, you brought up some of those decisions that farmers will have to make when it comes to uh, what to plant. So now this winter weather and the impact on the wheat crop, that could influence those decisions, as you said, even more. Well, it certainly will. You know, we had just before this cold weather event, we were reaching points in southwest Kansas and feedlot country where corn and wheat were actually near even money for cash prices. So you had feedlots that were making decisions that were going with beginning to put wheat into their feed rations because corn basis was so strong in some of these countries. We were seeing wheat moving into the Texas panhandle into feedlots. And when you have prices like this where farmers can lock in not just for this crop year but for next crop, 
crop year on some of these row crop prices. And if they're able to lock in some of their other input prices, it's certainly attractive for producers and it's really could affect what happens with our overall wheat acres and potential carryout projections. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, even though for the most part it's been quite a smooth ride up in recent weeks, there are some choppy waters we hit from now and every now and then, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, you came in here uh, overnight market, obviously. We had some strength. I mean, heck, uh, as we speak, we're 43 cents off the highs. <laughs> Uh, down 23, but as you as uh, as it's obvious, you were up 20 on the overnight. So uh, very interesting. You come in here and the export sales were rough, but at the same time, Mike, I mean, we don't need a lot of export sales, especially on soybeans. And so, you know, looking at the exports uh, this morning, uh, lower on the lower end versus what we've seen here uh, lately. You know, uh, corn I guess was 453 and 145. So. Yeah, that's the lowest we've seen in a few weeks. And then on soybeans, 168, and then 70 on new crops. So, you know, definitely off, but at the same time, and we didn't get massive cancellations, uh, which is what I would expect with a kind of uh, uh, trade like this. I think it's a little bit of a risk-off day, uh, certainly when you look around at some of the other markets, uh, whether it's the Dow, you know, the metals, uh, crude's off a little. Uh, most of the other markets, uh, I guess, that we would lean on sometimes, uh, would be going in the same direction we are now. One good thing is that the dollar is really getting hurt this morning. I mean, we're down uh, 350 points, so uh, you watch that dollar pretty close because if it really breaks hard, I can't see this uh, sell-off continuing uh, in this fashion anyway. And should we be surprised when soybeans are down at this time of year? I mean, is this traditionally uh, this is when that's South America's time, right? Well, it is South America's time, and, and hey, Mike, we've just run up and up and up here lately, and so it's pretty hard to uh, to get too worked up over a, a day whenever we go down a little bit, whenever the market has just really worked higher on the week especially. Yeah, you look over at uh, November beans, and with three days in a row, we made contract highs, and so... Uh, yeah, we're trading off a dime on the No. 21 beans this morning, but uh, here's an interesting thing. You're trading basically 1230, which is over 50 cents above the February average, which is what we're setting for crop insurance this month. So that's a pretty incredible development. The average trade, you know, for February beans uh, at the close yesterday was 1178. And, and uh, you know, we're trading off the highest 24 cents this morning. We're still 50 cents above that average. Yeah, sometimes you just have to step back and and put things in in perspective. All right, so what do you think now about this uh, this race to get acres? Uh, 
talk about markets buying acres. It looks like all commodities are trying to buy acres. Oh, no question about it. You know, you look over, and obviously wheat's uh, trading uh, well above 650. Uh, you know, whenever I was in, uh, I was actually in Kansas this week. I was in southwestern Kansas out in Liberal, and I talked to a lot of folks in that part of the world. I had a big meeting, and, you know, there's a lot of producers saying that they were going to be leaning on Milo uh, if they couldn't start getting rain very soon. First of all, it's a little cheaper to put in the ground. Second of all, the basis for Milo is really strong. And so it's even stronger than what corn is. Of course, it's a substitute for corn. Uh, but those producers felt like they could be more profitable growing Milo right now. You get into the Delta and cotton, you know, uh, cotton has just been uh, on fire here lately. And I think it's trying to hold on to some acreage. You know, when you look at cotton at $90, I mean, uh, those uh, those folks in that part of the world can make a heck of a lot of money with cotton in the high 80s and low 90s. So there's no question that uh, corn and beans are not the only things that's been rallying. And I think whenever it comes down to acreage, uh, some of your hangers-ons, if you will, are going to try like heck to keep keep a few acres. I think that 92 and 90 from the USDA, uh, those are probably going to be fairly close. But I could see planting intentions coming in very high, especially with these prices we've seen. So is it going to be higher than that? Eh. Uh, maybe a little bit. I don't think it'll be wildly higher, though. And, of course, weather affects that, too. Uh, speaking of weather, what's happening in South America? Yeah, I mean, you know, Argentina's been awfully dry, pretty warm this week. Some of the forecasts are trying to put rain in, in for next week. Uh, if they don't get rain, though, there's no doubt that you're going to see a crop that's maybe not uh, near as big as normal uh, trim just a little more yet. So looking at what some of the experts are calling for, a couple million metric ton on both corn and beans lower than the USDA and Argentina. Whereas for Brazil, we pretty much know what the bean crop was. Uh, at the first crops where they plant most of the soybeans. And my biggest concern moving forward is them getting all the beans harvested to where they can get this spinner crop in the ground because it looks like uh, a good third of that crop is going to go in to the ground later than ideal uh, time frame. And so uh, you're going to get into the dry season on the, on the tail end, uh, and that's a big concern for the growers there for the, for the spring crop. Hey, when you talk to farmers, uh, what are they thinking for this year? Are they thinking about sticking with rotations or making some acreage changes? What are you hearing? That's a good question, Mike. Uh, here's the thing, though. You and I both know we had a good fall last year. A lot of folks had a really good fall to get a lot of field work done. The fertilizer, fortunately, was super cheap. So I think that lent credence to uh, solid corn acreage. Uh, but at the same time, you gotta you got to ask yourself, how many swing acres are there? And there's got to be some swing acres. There always is uh, to where producers have a little bit of flex in what they do. With fertilizer so high, I really struggle to think uh, that you're going to get swing acres to go corn's way. So I think that any last-minute fluctuation is going to probably go towards soybeans, especially, once again, looking at, I mean, in our part of the world, $12 beans right out of the field. That's not something we've been able to sell in the month of February for several years. So I've got to think that a lot of folks are going to go towards beans on swing acres. But I, I, I think corn and bean acres are going to be actually very close. Uh, I don't know that they'll be uh, – I think they'll be closer than $2 million, like the Outlook Forum suggested. Uh, I think they could be pretty close to dead even, but that, that's just my opinion. It'll be interesting to see. Good to talk with you, Matt. Thanks a lot. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Well, 
You mentioned those projections for acres from the Outlook Forum last week. We will talk with USDA Chief Economist Seth Meyer coming up on tomorrow's program. Talk about uh, those projections from USDA last week and just what are his thoughts on the ag economy here as we're wrapping up the month of February. Also, we're going to be taking a look at uh, what's going on in the hog market these days and some outlook there. Lots to talk about tomorrow. Hope you'll be here with us as well on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.